You know, there's no need for you to worry yourself. It was for my own sake that I did all that. It wasn't for you in particular. It's just my nature. I'd rather fight with my sword than run away, that's all. So that's the only reason? You fought a hundred men because it's not in your nature to run away. Yeah, pretty much. Besides, I owed that bastard some payback. My memory of things is a bit unclear. I was lost in the swordplay. But to tell you the truth, there was something I just couldn't get out of my head. Compared to what you're trying to do, me fighting a hundred men means nothing. It has no purpose. I'm not talking about just you. I mean Griffith also. The two of you have something important that you can stake your lives on. I think it's great. I truly mean that. Compared to the strength of that purpose, whether I face a hundred men in battle or even a thousand seems like nothing but a random act. Guts, I... Some view, huh? Gaston doesn't think he's very suited for army life. His intention is to start a tailoring business with the money he's earned when this war is over. He's very good with his hands, though he may not look it. Nicole had proposed to a woman who refused him once. Apparently she didn't want to marry a common soldier. So he declared that he would get promoted as soon as possible so he could ask her again. That's why he tends to be reckless and overextends himself in battle. It seems to me that everybody stakes their lives in a lost cause. Looking over them all from up here, I almost think I can see their hopes and dreams flickering in each little light. Like a bonfire of dreams. Well, that was beautiful. You sounded like the princess talking. <laughs> Don't say that. But I understand. It's like each one of them has his own little light, or a small flame that he brings to the Band of the Hawk. Yeah. And to ensure that those weaker flames don't go out, each man casts his own into the strongest fire of them all. A raging fire. That is Griffith. My light isn't to be seen among them. Still, after all this time, it seems that I'm just someone who stopped to warm himself at the bonfire in passing. Guts. So long as I have my sword to fight with, I'm sure to survive. Year after year, I prove it to be true. Before joining the Hawks, I always survived. No matter the odds, no matter how hopeless a losing battle, this time was no different. In truth, I don't believe that's any way to live one's life. I've been fighting in battles for as long as I can remember. The mercenary leader who raised me taught me nothing except how to wield a sword. 
I've never had anything except my sword. I don't want to die. For me, that is the only reason I keep fighting. There is nothing to save myself for or give myself to. I fight because I know nothing else. Once I was willing to do just that, to commit myself to fighting, and let anyone else find a reason for me. Guts. <laughs> anyway, I imagine this all sounds pretty dumb. I'm sorry I brought it up. I'm not even sure why I did. It's pretty pathetic. So Welcome to a very special episode of the Raconteur Collection. But before we dive into the topic, I want to remind you, yeah, you, you listening right now, the Raconteur Collection is a podcast about everything and nothing all at the same time. It's hosted by two brothers, Jack and Charlie. And today, they're going to be talking about a very fantastic topic, something that is near and dear to both of their hearts. Berserk. However, before that, we'll get into a little bit of the uh, housekeeping, a little bit of catching up with the bros, as it so happens to be. Jack, how are you doing today, my friend? We're recording a little bit bit later today. Yeah. As some schedule stuff comes up this weekend. And we're also releasing the episode, like, same day as well. So, uh, you know, it's a... it's been a pretty good uh, weekend. It was Ellie's. It's actually Ellie's birthday today, but we had a party yesterday, uh, so she's four now. Got her probably too many gifts, but you know, got a spoiler sometimes. Um, you know, I worked last night. Work is pretty easy. Uh, I do have to work today as well. So, but it's been pretty good. I've been I've been enjoying the rainy weather, although it's, there's just been times where it just rains a little bit and it gets super humid. Because it's also like 80 mm. degrees, so it kind of sucks. Yeah, but it does. Overall, things going pretty good, pretty well. No complaints. So, uh, Charlie, how about you, man? You know, I am doing great. It's been, I would say, a good week coming up to have uh, four days off, actually coming up this um, Friday, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I'm really looking forward to that as kind of just a little bit of time to relax and then not only relax but after you've relaxed at home i don't know if you're like this jack i I would assume you kind of are because we're similar in this way but i like having my two days off in a row you know i've never been one of those people that wants to have a one day off work a day then have another day off or you know any mixture of that i like having the days off in a row because i feel like one day i can just decompress and i can be an introvert and you know laze around, play my video games, do my reading, do what I want to do, right? 
Mm-hmm. And then the next day I can kind of be like, okay, now I'm going to do the house chores. I'm going to be doing the laundry. I can go run errands. We can get groceries. And so really looking forward to having those four days off as kind of just an extension of that. Um, and other book news, which is exciting. Uh, yes, gotten yes. a couple copies out there. We got a copy to my brother, Henry, which I'm really hoping he's able to read at this time because he has such a good mind for this type of stuff that I really need you know, would love his feedback got a copy to another one of our actually two of our other patrons uh noah got a copy to him was able to see him and say hi pass over oh, copy and then nice. jay hens jack henry was able to get a copy to him before he went out of town so wonderful hopefully they enjoy it hopefully it's you know readable for them i i was telling uh, jack henry when i handed it over you know i'm definitely concerned about the technical issues like that i'm not a strong technical writer like, I'm just not. But in my mind, technical issues can always be ironed out. They can be fixed. They can be, you know, messed with and constantly improved and perfected. But things like story and plot and characters and motivation and pacing, those are the things that I feel like if you don't have those, you can't, you know, technically edit your way to having a good plot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... In my mind, I'm really concerned about getting that feedback like, oh, is that character any good? Is that part of the story any good? Because, of course, even as I flipped through the copies that I had printed recently, I noticed a couple of spelling mistakes. And I was like, how did I not notice those? But, you know, when you're stuck in something and you're having to read it multiple times, like I've read this book four times, probably in the span of a month. And it's like 600 pages. And so, yeah, I just... At that point, like you just get blind to it. You just don't see it. Can and you, so can you recall a word that you've misspelled? Yeah, I think I used the wrong faint. Uh it was something like a faint sound and I used like actually somebody fainting. Oh, like and I was F- like F A I N T, not F E I N T or whatever. Yeah, I was just like I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. But you know, that is how it goes. Of course I still have about six copies to get out. Um I want to get really a lot of our patrons or people who I want to get did them to our sister, my sister uh, or our sister Lily has one. And then uh, I want to get one to Becky as well. Uh, she is also like a writer and definitely like in the family. And so she needs to get a copy as well. And then even like our uncle Matt, I like, I mean, say, yeah, yeah. God, like I have so many people who are going to be so good at reading this and telling me what's wrong with it. Um, You know, but I guess Jack, another positive to it as well and forgive me i know i'm rambling no, here a little i like bit, i like i like when you ramble it makes i don't have to but, talk as much <laughs> yeah <laughs> a good thing is that you know having space from it and i've been working on the plot for another story which is fun i love working on plots because like you can kind of just like throw in anything you want and see if it sticks but in having distance from the book i wrote manilica uh, and looking back, it actually makes me really excited about the story. I'm like, God, it's a really cool story. Really cool world. I really dig it. So I hope mm-hmm. other people do too, because, you know, I worked, I work a lot. Of, I worked really hard on it and not to dissuade people from saying like, it sucks because like, I definitely want to hear it. If it does suck, I just need to know why it sucks. Yeah. Don't you think but, it's bad. Well, why? Yeah. yeah I, just, I'm, just cause. you know, I think it's really exciting for me because for the first time, hopefully I can actually have like a group of people I can talk to and toss around ideas with the like these themes and concepts that have just been stuck in my head 
since I've been writing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So really excited for that. Really excited to like push that forward. Um, and other news, we got the third episode of Tales of Ephemera broadcast. Yes, yes. Once I Dreamt of the Goat. Very good. Very good if I haven't, uh, can say so myself. Yeah, submitted Simon by a wonderful, wonderful on patron, right? Yeah, submitted by one of our other patrons, Lily. In fact, submitted that one. And she did a fantastic job with the story. Uh, I love making and kind of helping Simon design some of the Tales of Ephemera stuff because... As you know, like Simon and I are very similar people, but Simon tends to be much more blatant in terms of like his kind of like evil morality and stuff. So I I like to include some of the secrets and stuff in there. And so we talk a lot about secrets we can include. So, you know, the Tales of Ephemera is filled with just weird secrets and weird little Easter eggs, which I'm like designing some of the parts for Tales of Ephemera. Like Simon will come to me and he'll say, hey, what do you think of this? And I'm like, yeah, it can work like that. But some of the parts, you know, we go through and design, it's like, I I feel like I'm working it for like a huge audience that's going to be like, well, in this YouTube breakdown, we're talking about the tales of ephemera. Top and five most encrypted things, you know, and you're like. Exactly. I feel like I'm designing it like that. And I'm like, why, why are we including this little Easter egg at the end? Uh. I mean, Jack, if you haven't listened to the third episode, there's a point right at the end that Simon had me do where it's just a series of numbers, very much like the Shino Numa Call of Duty <laughs> zombies map where it's like four, five, five, four, eight, four, zero, six. You know what I mean? And I was like, five, five. this is so fun yeah. and I love doing it. I'm like, who's who's really going to listen to that and be like, what does that mean? Let me sit down and figure it out. But <laughs> so, uh, you know, that all is going really well. Uh, you know, I think with me personally, I've been kind of dragging a little bit with my workouts and stuff. It's been hard to get into like a good rhythm with that. And I just feel like kind of exhausted from work lately. Like I just feel like it's like just draining, not in like a horrible way, but just tired. And I think it's just, I don't, I'm not quite getting enough sleep. You know, I think it's a big part of it where I'll, you know, cause as the older I've gotten, I'm like, God, those eight hours, I need those eight hours, man. <laughs> Yeah, And it, when I have to wake up at 4 o'clock for a shift, that means I have to be asleep by 8. And it's just so hard to be asleep by 8 o'clock. No, like, for sure. And, like, just, like, Laura and I, like, we want to start, like, you know, doing, like, some small workouts and, you know, eating a lot more health. Like, you know, eating, we eat healthy, but we could eat healthier. Uh, and so there are many times that we're just, like, we're just both tired. Like, we both work. We also, have to, you know, have to watch Ellie and, you know, make sure she's good and take care of the house, do lots of laundry you know, go to the store, all that kind of stuff. It's like, it definitely is, is a lot to kind of try to manage, especially when you're trying to do other things besides just kind of, you know, doing the daily, what needs to be done. Like, you know, doing the podcast or even, you know, doing streaming or in your case, doing writing, you know, like there's just kind of a lot that needs to be done. And sometimes it feels like there's not enough time in the day, you know? So, mm. yeah, I get that for sure. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you probably have it like wait or not. You don't have it worse, but your time is much more pulled just by having a child to take care of. You know what I mean? Like that, I can't even imagine what that's like. Mm-hmm. So, kudos to you, man, for keeping it all together. That's that's great. Doing best. Uh, you know, in other news, I'd like to kind of open the floor to our patrons here and see get their opinion. Kate and I recently. In fact, over the weekend, we watched through all of the Toy Story movies. I was just kind of feeling like I need to watch some Toy Story. And man, the Toy Story movies are so good. Like, 
in watching the first one especially, I'm like, man, this movie, Pixar crafted this movie for adults just as much as they did for kids. There's so many things that I'm like, I appreciate this as a 20, 28, coming into 29-year-old man. Like, yeah, what, like, what, what were they thinking with some of this stuff? And then Kate and I, of course, got really deep into talking about the lore of the toys. Like, if they could, like, if it was, like, a compulsion that they, like, fell flat as, like, a toy when a human approached or they could control it. You'd think by the first one that they can because they, like, freak Sid out at the end. But then in some of the other movies, it makes it seem like they can't control yeah, turning just, back into the floppy toy They just immediately self. drop, you know, just yeah. instantaneously. Like, they have, like, this, it's almost like a spidey sense, you know, of, like, it is. there's a person, yeah. you know, go down. It's, it's, it is, it is a little strange, but I don't know. Maybe it's something that they <laughs> can control, like when they want to, but if not, then it's just like, it's like a, it's like an auto feature, you know, it's just kind of, well, right. So yeah, if, uh, you know, patrons out there, listeners out there, if you'd love to hear us talk about Toy Story and the lore and yeah, the, the, uh, the deep lore creation behind the essence of what makes a toy, the theories, let us know and Jack and I will do it because that sounds great. But Jack, without further ado, now there's a couple more things we have to do. Yeah, there is. The intro today is going to be a little special, a little bit special than normal. Jack, I'm going to keep it a surprise for you just because I am going to like it. But the intro music is provided by somebody new today. Tyler Cunningham is taking a break in the tavern and Clumsy Titan is doing our intro. Yeah, Great. she is. I love the change in vibe. I mean, it's so interesting how I think that change in tone kind of sets a different feel for the show. And when I edit the show, like I'll probably be editing this one today, I love drawing out that intro and giving that music like a good like minute and a half to like play. I know that probably annoys some people, but that's me and I love doing it. So I'm going to do it that way. Yeah, I like having a special intro. When I edit it, I like doing the outro longer intro i keep about 15 seconds or so for the music like <laughs> yeah the jack, musical, I, jack cuts this music fades in like five seconds plays for 15 fades out another five seconds when we start talking you know but then the ending is kind of like all right you're done here's a little like here's the here's the treat you know right yes yeah, so we got a special intro which you've already heard obviously but it all relates to the topic at hand, which of course, as I said earlier, is berserk. We'll get into all of how you can reach us and what you can do to support us later at the end. But we've been going for a while already, so we'll jump right into it. Today, Jack, we're talking about berserk. And originally, we're going to do uh, Two Towers. You remember yes. very much how we did Fellowship. But I kind of changed it relatively last minute because uh, the author of berserk, Kentaro Miura, recently passed away. Like, you know. Within the last couple, uh, within the last week. Yeah, like very and suddenly. Very suddenly, kind of out of the blue. And this man has been working on this manga since 1988, which it says here the Mira premiered the prototype of Berserk in 1988. And in 2021, he died with his work still being unfinished. And as a fellow creative and, you know, somebody who works and has been inspired by him and by berserk i wanted to have like a place to talk about it and especially since you love berserk and berserk is even the anime that i showed kate you know when i we've you know 
first started like getting into it and she loved berserk like berserk is still like her top favorite anime out of all time yeah and, and there's something yeah no, i just want to add real quick like and like a bunch of my friends are like are super into berserk and like you know they have like all the mangas and you know they've watched it, all of it and you know well i i do very much enjoy berserk i've only seen i've seen one of the movies uh the first like 12 episodes of the newest anime and then all of the old anime but uh i do want to read the yeah. manga because I've, I've never read manga but i think it'd be good a good place mm-hmm. to start because i am interested in it but you know it definitely like definitely. it's one of the animes i think has like a really you know loyal fan base and when people like mm. this series they like it's a, like it's almost like a part of them you know like it, it sticks with people in a lot of different ways so it's it's yeah. uh it's very unique i i, I gotta say yeah and so while you know i don't want to i mean of course the death of anybody is tragic and happens you know every day but i don't really want to focus too much on his death but more so like his legacy and what he's leaving behind in the terms of this and what he accomplished which i think is amazing because you know especially when you see creative personalities like that die it's hard in some ways because I being a creative as well and making things, I often think like, what happens if I were to die and leave this thing unfinished? You know what I mean? And I can't imagine, especially, you know, just that feeling and that void that the people who have to continue the story feel now. And so I'm just going to talk, you know, I just want to open it up and just talk about how great it is and give everybody the listeners out there like this is something that i highly recommend and this you know and probably in the course over the hour here where i'm going to be spoiling things and talking about the story at length so if berserk is something that you want to get into and you want to experience i highly recommend it and jack i'm going to go ahead and give people just a little rundown okay yeah go right so on ahead. berserk it it's tough to find and tough to know where to start because there's different versions there's movies but here's what I recommend. There is a 1997 anime that I think is the perfect introduction into Berserk. It has fantastic music, really classic, you know, charming 90s anime style, and really, I think, sells the soul of what Berserk is. Yeah. If you want to get into the pure experience, you can dive right into the manga. Uh, on Amazon right now, they have these big compilation volumes and these, like, awesome black bound texts that are amazing that i have four of them now uh, i believe they're i mean i think they're gonna go all the way to current so i think there's maybe even six or seven of them now but those are great starts points as well if you want to really jump into some high action like if you start the anime and it's a little too slow for you there is a three movie run trilogy of movies first two films premiered in 2012 with a third in 2013 and they cover the exact same ground that the 1997 anime does. They add a little bit more to the end of the story and kind of continue it because the story doesn't end with the anime. It actually keeps going. But those movies are a little bit more action-based, a little bit more fast-paced, especially because the anime is, has lots of moments where it's very slow and there's a lot of like philosophy in the anime itself. While I really love that, some people could be turned off by that. So if the anime is a little bit too slow for you or it's just too old... The three films highly recommend. The three films, I and mean, most they're also they're animated yeah, no, very. I mean, I know some people might not like it, but so the '97 anime, like it's very old style anime drawn. Uh, you know, everything's by hand. 
at least I believe everything's by hand, if not most of it. Uh, but then the movies are like kind of a blend of both styles, and I think it's done very well. Uh, like the action scenes yeah. look very clean and very smooth in those movies. So, yeah. And then the uh, in 2016 and 17, they continued the story from the original 1997 anime run and the end of the movie run, and continue the story on further into the source material. Those two seasons of the anime are really looked down upon. I think there are positives in them. And I think overall people really took issue with just the style that the newer anime tried to do. That being said, they got killer intros, both of them. They got killer music. They have some really good sound effects and moments, but they're a little like, yeah, it honestly feels like you're playing like a clunky, like old, like, you know, like when Skyrim first came out and you're like, this Mm -hmm. is really fun. And there's a mammoth flying in the air. Yeah. Or you're like, it's still really fun. You go to the menu and it berserk. The new anime has a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember when I first got into berserk, I had no idea where to start. So hopefully that clears some things up to you. Berserk is uh, a dark fantasy, medieval kind of fantasy starts off very much uh, medieval style with not a lot of fantasy elements in. And as you get further and further in the story, the fantasy slowly starts to work its way in. Very dark, very grim, a lot of adult content. So if you are sensitive to God, anything, I mean, put anything on the list as far as like, you know, kids being treated horribly, horrible murders, killers. I mean, Anything on that list, if you're very sensitive to that kind of thing, I might stay away from Berserk just because it does deal very heavily in that area. But for those of you who are interested in it and like, you know, not like exploring the darkness, but like, you know, grappling with the darkness, that is what Berserk is all about is grappling with the darkness. And what do you do if after you come through a horrific event, so on and so forth. So that's my little selling point for Berserk this point on spoilers are fair game so if you've gotten this far and you're like i haven't read berserk and i kind of want to now i highly recommend you do it you can always come back here but of course i think you'll enjoy this even if you don't want to stop here jack i've done a lot of talking i want to toss it to you yeah of course give me like when you think of berserk and when you think of all the characters and all the themes and all the moments what sticks out to you like what is like why do you like berserk so when it comes down to it, like just the the world of Berserk is super interesting. And it, while I was watching it, I was like, man, this is this is like Dark Souls. And like you, the, you can yeah. see all the influences that Dark Souls took from Berserk or like just a bunch of other like anime. It's like, oh, so this is kind of like where, you know, this style of character kind of in a sense comes from or was popularized by, yeah. you know, like Guts is this brooding, super strong you know, but like, in a, in a sense, like down to earth, uh, like character, you know, wields this huge sword, um, has this mm-hmm. really dark and troubled past. And just it's the reason I think it's he stuck with me so much is because so many other characters try to be like him and cool like him, but no one is like him. Like, no one even comes close. I mean, there's even yeah. in Sword Art Online, Kirito's mentioned as like, I think he's called like the Black Swordsman or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's like kind of like a nod to Berserk, I think. But <laughs> I was is, like, yeah, no, yeah. it's it's not. There's there's no no one comes close into how 
epic of a character Guts actually is. You know, uh, epic in the sense of just the depth of his character, um, mm-hmm. the way he interacts with other people, the way he deals with his emotions and his thoughts, um, and how he just deals with combat when he's in it. It's really cool just kind of seeing how he processes all of it. And then, but at the same time, he'll just like lose himself to rage or just to, you know, these overwhelming feelings like a regular person would, you know. But it's yeah scary when he does because of how unbelievably strong he is. And then you yeah. have characters like Griffith who are just these, mm-hmm. they're almost, you know, he's almost godlike essentially and mm-hmm. kind of becomes as such. But it's it's really interesting to see how all these characters that you meet in the the hawk what what's the what's the full name of the again? band of the hawk band of the hawk i was like it's not the guild yeah. it's the band the band of the hawk they uh you know they they're all super distinct and even the characters that don't talk as much that are just kind of like sideline characters like at the end when everything's going horribly wrong you know judo and ricket yeah, it's pippin yeah like it's still just horrifying and it's yeah no other like show or anything could ever make me kind of feel that way when I was watching those scenes because it's very just dark and heavy and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no like, oh, yeah. this guy's going to come in and save us. It's like, no, it's like everybody's here and everything's going wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just the influence that Berserk has and has had over a lot of other things I enjoy, I think is why it stuck out to me so much and why I kind of clung to it because I can see like once I started watching it and I got into it, I was like, I see why this is so influential. So. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. I think, you know, we can hinge a lot of the conversation around the main character guts himself because ultimately his story is kind of paralleled by the overall story, you know, Guts, like, and we'll get in, we'll get right into it. I mean, Guts was born, his mother was hung from a tree, and he was, like, fell out of her because she was pregnant when she was hung. And then he was picked up as a baby by a group of mercenaries and basically trained other under this father figure and kind of just abused. I mean, in the anime, they go into it a little bit, but, like, his father just horribly abuses this kid. Yeah. Basically just turns him into a tool of war. Yeah, kind of he sells the, the kid for money to other members of the Band of the Hawk to basically use. And this all culminates with Guts as a child basically killing his father figure, that mercenary who picked him up, and killing the man who was trying to assault him and running and almost dying, getting away, and then becoming a mercenary himself. And I think what is so good about it is, yeah, like the characters have tragic pasts. And I think... For me and for a lot of writers out there, it's there's this want and this need to give a character a lot of emotional weight. And so you throw a lot of dark things in their past. Oh, this person was abused. Oh, this person was this assaulted, you know, like, or sexually assaulted. Like, a lot of these heavy, heavy things that, you know, people deal and grapple with their whole lives. And what I like about Berserk is it doesn't just include things like that for no reason. Guts as a character, you see him process and you see him deal with the trauma of his past Mm -hmm. and, you know, in his present 
all of the time and who he is is the you know who he is in the present moment when we see him as a man is defined by his past you know what i mean it's not just oh man this really dark character oh man stay away from him it's like no he is this way for a reason yeah and we get to see why yeah. and i think you know i it's done really really masterfully and really really well like it would have been so easy for this to come across as like, oh God, that's too much. Like, you know what I mean? This is not Saw, where you have Jigsaw being like, hey man, I was, what about I had game? cancer and I'm going to yeah. fight again. You Do know, you Saw, value I think, life as has much as you should? And you're like, stop. Right. <laughs> you know, Berserk asks same questions like that, but in a much more quiet way. And especially in that 1997 anime, my God, yeah. there are some moments in there that I, are really poignant yeah like, i just want to say like it deals with it almost like in a very like i i don't like using the word realistic but i think in this case it kind of fits because you know guts isn't necessarily defined by his past but you can see that it has mm-hmm. lasting effects on him and so much like people in real life when you have like trauma like even if like you work past and you get through it like it's still trauma that you deal with on a day-to-day basis you know what i mean and so, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, he was fine, you know, today or whatever. But then this next time, like it hits him or this one thing, you know, was like a trigger form or whatever. Like, you know, and you see that kind of stuff play out as the series goes on. And so I think it right. deals with it in a very like not cliche way. It's much more like, oh, like, yeah, this is how you kind of deal with things as a person, not just as a character who's trying to, you know, right. have a dark past. And that's why I push everybody away. It's like, well, no, it's it's not like that simple. You know what I mean? Right. And I mean, like that moment, I feel like is really shown even in the beginning when Guts, he is acting as a mercenary and he's not that old. I mean, he's maybe in his teens. Yeah, he's like George. We don't age. quite know how old he is, but he is working as a mercenary, stands toe to toe with like the enemy's opposing champion this big armored guy with an axe and <laughs> this kid is using this huge sword guts is using this yeah, huge everyone's sword. like and everybody's no way like, he's using that. he's gonna die and even like the <laughs> band of the hawk is watching him and guts totally murders this big champion and then his team wins and he goes to get paid and the guy's like hey you did really well we could you know why don't you join the army and the guy goes to grab guts on the shoulder and guts is like don't touch me like he like like yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh my God. And, you know, it comes across as kind of weird, but then you're like, oh, I understand it. Like, he doesn't like to be touched. Yeah. It makes total sense. Like, they just build it. It's built in in a very layered and way and a very realistic way, like you said. Like, I don't really like to use that word either because it makes it seem like, I don't know, like it's trying to pull too much. But, like, that's just the way it works. And I think what I love so much about it, Jack, and we'll just, I mean, we're, we're diving headlong into it is when he's going away with all the money he's, he's been, he's been in war his whole life. That's really all he knows. And that's how he processes things is in battle. Yeah. The band of the Hawk, they're like, Hey, we're going to steal his money. A couple (laughs) of writers go out. Guts is owning them. And then it starts to go up the ranks. Even Costco's like, Hey, we can't, this guy is killing our dudes. Like we need to do something about it. And so she goes out there and she tries to fight them or fight Guts. And Guts is just like, 
this monster. Like, you can tell he's just... His whole personage and who he is is defined by his action. And that's how he processes everything. And so he's, like, handily beating this, like, really talented mercenary group, even to the point where the leader, Griffith, has to step in. And he, you know, he throws the spear... And the moment, like, Griffith is such a good character because, like you said, he's very ethereal and he's so magnetic. And he's, the art direction on him, he's this, you know, very slender, beautiful man, long white hair, really piercing blue eyes. Yeah, very, that they, they very focus like feminine, a lot. You know, yeah. it's, but it's he really has this danger around him, this almost alien danger where you see him and yeah. you're like, yeah. I want to trust him and I want to think that he is going to lead us in the right direction because he does, but there is a drive and like a passion in Griffith that people get sucked up into. Like it's almost that he's not less, let me switch from the magnet analogy. Griffith is almost like a whirlpool and he's just pulling people as Griffith is trying to achieve his own goal. Yeah. It's almost like and a guts get sucked right into it. Yeah. Like, the Band of the Hawk, as Jack was saying earlier, you know, Guts ends up kind of getting indoctrinated into the Band of the Hawk. He and Griffith really hit it off. And I think because they're very similar in a lot of ways, Griffith has had, you know, a lot of trauma in his past, and he's done things, horrible things, in order to accomplish his dream. And Guts doesn't really have a dream, doesn't really have a purpose, and Griffith almost kind of gives him a purpose. And yeah. you see later on how that becomes an issue, how Guts, after he's healed and after he's had that purpose, he's like, I, but I need to be me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I ultimately, I can't stay here. Yeah. Ultimately, I can't keep fighting with the Hawk because I have to heal. No, like, it's really interesting. Like, it, the, so, ugh, the growth of Guts during the Band of the Hawk is mm. so freaking good. And again, like, we already yeah. said, but spoilers. You might have been getting this right, but it culminates with him basically being like, hey, now that like we're all doing okay, yeah. everyone's fine, uh, I got to do my own thing. I need to find out like what my purpose is now that I know how to actually find purpose, like thanks to mm-hmm. Griffith and like just being with this whole group, I need to go do my thing. And this is like a weird part where Griffith is like, no, you are not leaving. Because at this point, yeah, Griffith is like, I need you to basically complete my journey and guts is like i well in griffith has been i mean that whole thing the scene that happens you know or the story that happens before that is griffith basically uses guts to dethrone a lot of really powerful like political knights and figures in the king of midlands you know army because this mercenary band basically becomes like a knighted army and so like you have all of the family and the noble born knights be like who are these peasants who are taking more glory than us? And Griffith, of course, knows that. And he basically uses Guts as his, like, tool to go basically assassinate people. And Guts accidentally kills a kid, then kills his target, and basically runs. And you know what I mean? It's like, I think that's the moment where Guts really is like, I I can't do it for you. Like, I cannot yeah. be sucked into your dream anymore. And there's that there's Sorry, so Jack, go ahead. the very so the when Griffith like first meets Guts and like pulls him to the rank of the band of the hawk, he like, you know, disarms him one one blow, takes him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
And then it's so significant when they're they're having this face off and it's like yeah. a two minute dialogue of like this is kind of before it was a trope to have just like talking for a long, long time in like animes, you know, but like Griffith is like thinking, okay, he's gonna swing up, I'm gonna do this, parry him, it'll be over, and I yeah. can keep him in my ranks. He's like convinced that this is the way it's gonna work. And Guts goes up yeah. to do his thing. But Griffith doesn't realize how much Guts has grown. And then he just moves so fast and stops his blade. Yeah. He cuts through Griffith's blade, stops it yeah. right at his neck. And just that wave, you know, of like power that kind of goes yeah. around. Mm. And then Griffith just falls to the ground. And Guts is like, you know, bye. Bye. <laughs> and yeah, that scene with the music is so mm. powerful. It is Very so good. Powerful. And then Guts yeah. is like, He's like, you'll find a way to walk again. You know, like he, that whole like little dialogue yeah. he does is he's walking away. It's, it is so good. And one of like most, in my opinion, it's one of the most iconic scenes of just anime in general. It is done yeah. so well. So, yeah, because like, you know, that point where Guts and Griffith are friends and they have, a lot of journeys and adventures through the war together. They fight Nosferatu Zod for the first time. And, you know, Griffith has always been carrying around the little Baylet, the egg of the King, this weird jewel. That's really freaky. It's like a little orb, freaky. like an egg that has like eyes and a mouth on it. It's weird, but you know, they go through all of that. And so when guts finally, you know, comes that comes to that realization that he needs to leave the band of the hawk in order to grow in order to heal in order to be himself and nowhere to find his purpose he makes that decision griffith is like no you can't and then they have that showdown that you just described and it's just this really heart-wrenching moment because guts leaves the moment positive he leaves the moment with hey you'll be okay Casca." You know, you'll be okay. Everyone will survive without me because you have Griffith. And Griffith snaps. That's when Griffith goes off the deep end, you know? Yeah. And I some, think it's yeah. it's so interesting that you have that dynamic. And it's so interesting with what happens later with the eclipse at the end and why Griffith makes the decision he does. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I mean, there's... Let's, let's take a little bit of a break from the main story here, Jack, and let's get into some of the side characters. Yeah, for, for sure. A second, you can you can say what you wanted to say, but yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, so you know, so so surrounding the band of the hawk, you have Casca. She's really important because she's like a female soldier, and I what I love about her character is that they play into the fact that like people give her shit for being a woman all the time. Yeah. And she's especially badass. Like she's opponents. one of the best fighters. Her opponents, especially. Yeah. Yeah, and it, like, there's this. He, he's such a douchebag villain, but he's kind of great too. He's the guy. He's like, and I have been using this technique. Oh yeah, passed down through passed my down family through generations. Through generations. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Doesn't she kick him down the flight of stairs or something? Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? So like, and so Casca's really great, and she is following Griffith because Griffith saved her. From basically being sold as a sex slave, Griffith saved her, throws the sword at her and says, hey, if you want to forge your own path, do it. And so she takes the sword and then kills her attacker and joins the band of the hawk. 
And everybody else, even if they're not explicitly told within the story, everybody else kind of has that moment where they kind of got sucked into the path and the magnetism of Griffith. And there's a little bit of love, love triangle between Guts, Casca, and Griffith, but it's it's played really well, and it's not played to, like, pit anybody against each other. It's more because, like, Casca can't yeah, stand yeah. Guts because Guts, like, kind of bursts into the band of the Hawk super hot-headed he is strong enough to do whatever he kind of wants on the battlefield and puts other people in danger because of it you know what i mean like he'll yeah. just charge off he becomes the leader of their raiders so he like you know he does the hit run tactics and even later on i mean there's a great moment where they're trying to i believe it's save Costco because so on and so forth. I mean, Casca is gets like knocked down a cliff and then Guts jumps after her. And then there's a moment where Guts basically kills a hundred guys. Oh, that's in so order cool. to like let Casca escape. And it's just I think what's so good about that is that you could take that moment and say, like, man, look how strong Guts is. He killed a hundred men. But they actually play it more like Golly, he killed a hundred guys. And he's okay, and he's fine, and he recovers. Yeah. And he tells Casca in that really great moment that, you know, like, fighting's all I know. Like, fighting is, like, I only know who I am when I'm holding the sword. And yeah. killing a hundred men, killing a thousand, it doesn't matter. Like, I only know who I am when I hold the sword. And I want to be more than that. And so you have, like, all of these things that lead into the moment we described earlier with Griffith. And it, it, yeah, like, like you said, Jack, like it is just one of the most impactful moments. So yeah, coming it, off that, Jack, done, of course you have, it's done so well. I mean, I can't say it enough. Just there's no, so yeah. many parts in this show that are done so well that I really do feel like other shows try to like, you know, catch a spark of that just can't do it as well. I mean, it's, you know, they are out there. Other great animes are out there, of course. But this yeah. series and its characters, I think, are just so unique. Because once you watch it, almost any other anime you watch that has characters somewhat similar draws inspiration from Berserk very heavily. And just, like, trying to, like, okay, this is the strong guy. This is the charismatic guy. This is, you know, like, right. they kind of have, like, those characters that are, they're like Guts, like Casca, like Griffith. So it's... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we're not just saying this out of opinion. Like, it's just very impactful show all around. And series, yeah. not just the show. So, Jack, I mean, I think we kind of jumped ahead to the moment, you know, I think one of the best moments in the in the show when Guts leaves on his own. But before that, you know, they have the dance and they rise up through the ranks. There's the hunting scene where uh, Griffith gets shot by the assassin's arrow, and that's kind of what clues Griffith into the fact that, like, I need to take care of these other nobles who are trying to kill me. But to jump ahead more, to continue on, so after Guts leaves, and he has this positive outlook where he's like, hey, I'm going to go train, I'm going to go be myself, which I highly recommend people do that. Like, that kind of exploration into who you are as a person is only ever helpful. And especially when you realize that, like, you need to grow in order to be more for the people around you. Yes. And, you know, but then that is directly paralleled 
with how negatively Griffith takes it. So Jack, like this next part coming up with Griffith, how he, he's kind of had this uh, romantic tension with the princess of Midland, the, you know, the big kingdom they're fighting for. And he ends up sneaking into her room. They have improper relations. It is consensual, but you get the feeling that like, it's like Griffith really pushes the situation and so, like, thank you for saying. And it's she so kind of just gets, she kind of gets captured up in that as well. Yeah. And then because of that, I mean, you can't just sleep with the princess. Griffith is then that's that's all the king needs in order for now to put Griffith in prison and to torture him. So Jack, like, yeah. out of these parts, because then that leads up to the really great moment where they're like. Oh, the band of the Hawks going to have the training. And so they're all like waiting out in the field and they're like, where's Griffith? And that's when the arrows start raining down from the other army as they're trying to catch the band of the Hawk. So like Jack, like this part in particular, I think is like, it's also really good. Like, it's just the way that, I don't know, Miura was able to like write these moments and to have these payoffs is because he like builds up the characters as people. And he knows who the characters are. Yeah. And not a lot of people know that. A lot of people will make their characters do something unrealistic or do something out of character for to subvert expectations. And even though, like, you don't know the extent of what Griffith can do, it's still shocking to see him go down this path and then to fall so hard. Like, he crashes. And it's, like, horrific. So what what are your thoughts on like this whole part? So like leading up to before the eclipse. So I mean the scene that sticks out most to me is like I can't remember how, but Guts comes back to help free Griffith. And I don't know mm-hmm. how long it's been. Do they ever say how long it's been? Or I mean, is that reference in the manga how long it's been since <sighs> Griffith was captured? I think it's been months. Because he because at that time, Guts basically is training. He's cutting the logs that are coming down the waterfall. Oh yeah. He's uh training He's like living with the blacksmith who eventually gives him the huge dragon slayer. Yeah. And so basically Guts kind of learns of, you know, what's going on with everything. I have band of the Hawks kind of, in a sense, crumbling without Griffith. And so they, sorry, Ellie's moving stuff around with a fishing rod. It's a fake fishing rod, but, uh, uh, so they end up finding out what Griffith is. And this, this scene, I mean, there's a video on YouTube with uh, what what's the I need to look at the forces, yeah forces by Susumu Hirasawa, um, who did all the soundtrack for this. And I, yeah. let's just take this moment, man. The soundtrack and this oh. guts's theme, like the music in this show hits perfectly. There, there's like, something it is, yeah. Oh, there's something so even the th- opening theme song raw like it, about it. Yeah, the theme song is not by the same guy. Yeah, so, but uh, so the scene that I remember most iconically is just yeah. from. So Griffith has been tortured. Um, he's super frail. He's all bandaged up, and you basically learn that he had all of his um, like tendons cut, like in his wrists, yep. in his feet, so he can't yep. walk. He can't use his hands. I think his tongue's been cut out. Yep. All like he's just this like basically like a shell of a person. And so when yeah, they he's find been this tortured to yeah. like nothing. And the only one who sees what Griffith looks like behind this mask that he's wearing is Guts. 
And Costco's like, oh, can yeah, I see so- him? And Guts is like, no, like you cannot. He's like, no one sees this, you know? And then he- real quick. Yeah, so they, uh, um, Guts or not Guts, uh, Griffith has always worn a hawk shaped helmet when he goes into battle. And so when he's captured and tortured, he's given like a man in the iron mask helmet, hawk shaped helmet that like covers his wounds. So yeah, you never see it. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And so that just makes it more kind of, it's almost more shocking because you don't know, you know what, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> so in the, in the, in this YouTube video, there's that scene where Gus runs back up the spiral staircase and it's just, yeah hacking all these people like in this blind rage you know it's like yeah. it's like this show of like vengeance and just like basically hatred to these people to what they've done to griffith because even though guts left he still like had a lot of admiration and appreciation for griffith yeah. and like love you know what i mean and mm-hmm. it's just it's so impactful how it all leads up and like just knowing what griffith was and seeing him like that is just yeah. like it's so like sad and everyone's yeah. like, well, what do we do now? Like, what do we do? And, you know, and they're having a stop and it's, it's just, it's really rough, you know, but I think the way they portray all the characters reactions to how Griffith is, is very well done. So, yeah. Yeah. Because like, so the band of the Hawk, you know, just turns out, you know, that after Griffith is captured, Costica ends up uh, leading them. And they kind of just are like camping from place to place, avoiding being captured. They're always under the threat of being attacked or ambushed by the armies of Midland. And so Guts comes back into this, you know, and is able to lead them to free Griffith from that prison. And yeah, like... Griffith, like, he is, you know, because seeing him before this, he was this amazing fighter, very agile. Like, he was the one who could keep toe-to-toe with Guts, where those Guts uses just brute force. You know, Griffith was the very fine surgeon to yeah, that. he's like the polar like, opposite. And so you see him, and, you know, everything has been stripped away from him. This man, Griffith, who wanted a kingdom that's been his whole dream he's wanted a kingdom and he's wanted to rule all of that is now impossible like he can't like he can't even walk on his own he can't even take care of himself on his own like he's just destroyed by this torture and destroyed by guts leaving like because in griffith's mind you know guts leaving this that's why this happened and so it's really kind of tragic because it's like, you know, Guts needed to leave. Like, that was obvious. But, like, Griffith also really needed Guts. And, like, would this have happened if Guts had stayed? Like, who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the show is really hits that home. Like, it's really grim. And this is a really fun little detail. So in the rescue of... Uh, Griffith. There has been throughout the whole show, especially with Nosferatu Zod, this whole idea that like there is a secret fantasy world. And in the uh, manga, they actually send this group after them to basically take Griffith back after Guts has rescued him. Or I think they're called the Mad Dogs. And there's <laughs> a really epic fight where Guts takes down like a Nosferatu Zod type guy. 
as he like morphs into a demon and <laughs> guts. What I love about guts is he always gets just the absolute shit kicked out of him yeah. every time he fights like, but he just is tough and like, he just keeps going. Yeah. Like that's what, that's, so, what, that's what's so yeah. good about him. That's like, what makes him so, just yeah. so, but like, yeah. you can see that he's not invincible cause he does have a very obvious limit, but because of what he's been through, he's able to basically push past that and like, yeah, like, yeah afterwards i gotta really recover but you know right. in the moment with that drilling going and like knowing what's at stake he's able to kind of pull things off i mean even in like the beginning when they when he does that this fight that big demon guy yeah uh and he's just killing all the soldiers and guts is like basically holding them off and those guys are like the the other set of soldiers like run in you know and they just get demolished right. And like stepped mm-hmm. on, and but Gus is like able to actually challenge this guy, you know, to the point to where yeah. he had to change into this demon form, you know. Yeah. And that's like one of the few times you're like, there is like actual like powers that people don't understand yes. going on in this show. Yeah. That's kind of the first time you see yeah. that, and it's just crazy that Gus is able to basically kind of keep it under control more or less until people can kind of either get to safety or Griffith is there or whatever. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that is what's so good about it too, is that, you know, I did say guts is just the brute strength, but as guts progresses, you also see that he, it's not just brute strength. He's also extremely skilled, even against other opponents who make enemy soldiers just look like fodder. Guts has, like, this eye and this, like, in-depth knowledge of combat to where he can, like, in the movies, he doesn't show up in the anime, but there's this guy named Silot who's, like, from the Eastern Realm, and he uses, like, the spinning, like, circle, I don't remember, the Chakram, I think. Yeah, probably. And he has, like, the cords, and he's just, like, murdering bands of the Hawk, and then Guts shows up and totally owns the guy, like... And the guy's like, I thought I was invincible. And this man just set, like, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> this it's, man it's, just it's interesting in and- <laughs> because, like, in the beginning, Guts is all about brute, brute force and just, like, doing yes. it, you know. But then as he's with Band of the Hawk, especially Griffith, he sees that, like, that can't be the only thing that guides how I fight. I need to think about what I'm doing. I need to do it quickly and, like, with agility, not just pure strength. Because then you get, yeah. get guts, guts gets to this point where he can back it up. Not only is he like the strongest guy, but he's also super fast, super quick, and super smart about what he does and how he engages enemies. Yeah. And it's cool also, again, seeing that growth in him as well. Not only as a person, but also in his skills and the way he perceives, you know, the world and actions taken by other people. So, yeah, and so. You know, and then, of course, Guts and Casca kind of reconnect um, after he rescues uh, Griffith. And I think they actually reconnect before that as well. But to rewind a little bit, to go back into Guts and Casca. So there's a moment where Casca is, gets knocked off her horse. I believe she's, like, having her period right as the battle starting. And she gets, like, knocked off her horse. Because that would suck. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even imagine. Oh, and yeah. so Guts jumps after her and they fall into the river and there's a really sweet moment where like she's burning up from a fever and Guts realizes what's happening with her and he has a really great line where he goes it must be really hard being a woman 
And I love that line. Like it, cause guts, like you, he comes across like super brash and super arrogant, but like inside he's still kind of just like a damaged child. And he sees Casca in like this vulnerable state and stays and protects her. And then, you know, they have a fight where Casca kind of gets better and she's like yelling at him and throwing all the stuff at him. And he's like, I need to take care of you. Like, I needed to keep you warm. You know what I mean? Like, there's that great scene where he's, like, hiding. Like, he's in the hollow of the tree. And he's, like, sitting in the front of the tree. He has a sword in front of him. Yeah. You know, so, like, they're shown to be good and healing for each other. Even the moment where they, like, physically reconnect after. I think it's after he gets back from, you know, after he finds the Band of the Hawk again. He's still very uncomfortable when it comes to anything sexual like to the point to where he like almost in a fit of like ptsd like almost strangles casca because he like can't stand like the close intimate physical contact but it's shown that like he kind of comes through that and like together they can kind of heal and together they can be the band of the hawk leading up to griffith's rescue and then the shell of the man Griffith was who it is. And of course, Jack, that all leads up to the, the scene where, you know, Casca's basically saying like, I can't do it anymore. And guts is like, I'll stay, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Griffith is overhears this in his weakened state, takes the reins of the carriage and rides away. And, and he goes and he goes and he crashes. There's the pool. iconic scene where he's just like, <sighs> kneeling hold like arm limply holding out the totally bandaged you know yeah, his the, arm is like broken and it's shattered from that thing and he like tries to kill himself on the broken thing but he can't and you know yeah yeah and then yeah like you he's, said he's holding scene. out Sorry, the interrupting you uh the, the, the yeah i forget the name of it but uh he's holding it out and then i forget how it happens but then the entire area that the band of the hawk is in and encircles Griffith is like just swept into like this hellish void. And yeah, it's this whole thing where Griffith is like basically talking to these, would you call them? Are they demons? Are they gods or? So it's interesting. And this is, I think another really great point of the show. So the egg of the King is related to the God hand and the God hand will and forgive me people who are really familiar with it. I believe the God hand kind of put the ballots out into the world so people can be awoken and give power, you know, based on the sacrifice they make to the God hand. And so, but Griffith's ballot, the egg of the King was special because he is now going to be assuming a new, he's going to become a new member of the God hand. And it weaves in this whole thing where it's like Griffith from a young age was set up to do this. And it's like fate and destiny and like what control do we have as humans against these beings that are demonic? Even I think the what's his name? The one that has the brain on top, the really tall one. Is it void? I forget their names, honestly. Uh I believe it's void. He, you know, basically says, you know, some people have called us demons. Other people have called us angels. You know what I mean? Like it's, 
yeah. they are just kind of the end all be all of like power and like the center of like these different planes that the comic or the manga gets into later. I think actually like great detail, but yeah. So this egg of the King opens up that portal and the entire band of the Hawk and Griffith is sucked into the God hands dimension and the ritual starts where they basically are like, Hey Griffith, do you want to accomplish all of the goals you've ever wanted to? Well, all you have to do is sacrifice the band of the Hawk and you can. And they kind of show it Griffith, all these visions of that, how even before that, like he's just been accomplishing his goal and working to build his goal on a mountain of corpses. And this is really like horrific kind of moment where like the guy is like, you know, this is always going to happen. You're always going to make this decision. And Griffith makes the decision. And Jack, take it from there. So he makes the decision. Uh, and then Griffith is basically put into this, I think it's like a cocoon or something, right? Yeah. It's like he's kind of like, he's like shell, incubating. Yeah. Like They're basically like changing his body to become this demon or whatever. And the whole band of the Hawk is just attacked and torn apart yeah, by these horrible like creatures like these are like terrifying yeah, creatures horrors. yeah 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 and, and I, one important part to mention sorry yeah, jack ahead, is that when griffith does agree to this all of the people who are branded for sacrifice are branded with the mark of sacrifice so guts gets branded on his neck everybody gets branded kind of in a different era i believe Costca gets like branded like on her shoulder or like on her chest somewhere so yeah that basically marks everybody Yes, they are branded. Yes, they are a sacrifice. Yes, you can kill them. And so it kind of like unleashes the gates because before this, it's just really an easy moment where all of these monsters are kind of just hanging out on the sidelines waiting. Yeah, I mean, and this, you have another, like, it's iconic in a horrible way, but the whole scene where, so Guts is like trying his best like to fend off people and to like save people and eventually like turns around and sees like one one of the guys and is like, hey, like, are you okay? And then, but like oh, they're being controlled, yeah. like their bodies being controlled by these eldritch horrors, and it's just like, you know, it's really sad and really disturbing. It's a point to where Griffith like emerges, uh, and stuff happens with Casca, and Griffith is doing all all of this to basically spite Guts, and Guts is like he gets his arm chomped on by this monster, yeah. and he's you know screaming and screaming and he can't pull his arm out so eventually he takes his broken sword or he he's yeah. he broke the horn or something off of the monsters and that's how he's kind of getting towards him gets his arm caught the horn breaks on the monster's teeth and so then he just takes his broken sword he has and cuts his own arm off and then it's it is so visceral and intense yeah. it's a lot to like watch and take in uh, it is. And so I mean, if you want to take it from there, it's. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it. The ending of the anime really grim. I mean, anybody who's watched it knows. It's the eclipse and Griffith wins. I mean, he ascends and becomes Femto. The, you know, the new member of the God hand, the fifth, the fifth, you know, fifth finger of the God hand. Fifth finger. Um, but yeah, in doing that, there's a moment where Femto basically captures Casca and is assaulting her. I mean, I'll try to keep it a little bit more PG, but it's basically just assaulting her yeah. and keeping her out of arm's reach of Guts. And Guts is just forced to, like, watch. 
I mean, he, like Jack said, like he's forced to the extent where he's trying to chop off his own arm, chops off his own arm, then is grappled to the ground by all these creatures. One of the creatures impales his eye, like one of his eyes and like pokes his eye out basically. And it's just horrific. Like, and it's, I mean, what are you supposed to do? And that's how the anime ends. However, the story doesn't end there. The movie actually goes a little bit further to show how um, Guts and Casca get out of this. Throughout the whole story, there's been like the Skull Knight, and he's kind of like this armored, almost like a embodiment of death, maybe, kind of that vibe. Kind of, yeah. This, he has a yeah. thorn sword, and he basically comes and he rescues Guts and Casca. And that's how their story kind of ends up continuing. But, you know, as it stands and as it stands there, the beginning of the anime actually shows you guts in the future. So, you know, he survives, you know, he survives as the black swordsman gets his, you know, gets the uh, dragon slayer, huge sword and is basically now forced to live this life of revenge where all he wants now is to get to Griffith and kill him for what he did what he did to his family that he found the band of the hawk. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what he does. You know what I mean? And he is consumed by it. I mean, yeah. And I think, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was like, not only, not only that, but he's also haunted and haunted and hunted by these, you know, again, these creatures that were killing the band of the hawk when the uh, eclipse happened. You know, like every yeah. night. That's why he's like, he's always alone. He travels alone. He doesn't travel with other people. And if anyone's close to him, he's like, you're, you're going to die. You know, yeah. he's like, sorry, just it's, it. I, I don't want to be with you because you're going to die if you're with me. So, you know, he's very much like alone in all of this afterwards. And it's, it's really sad. <laughs> it's sad. Yeah. So. And, you know, so we'll kind of wrap up the you know main topic here i there's a really great um message from noah actually one of our patrons where apparently i said in an episode all right we're gonna wrap it up and he checked the episode length what it left and there's 47 minutes left and i was like yeah (laughs) that sounds like me (laughs) time to wrap it up but uh yeah so i think ultimately there's a lot of different themes that we could jump into and dive into you know, a lot of them we talked about, especially when it comes to destiny and fate versus free will, it kind of balances out roughly that guts is the human element and Griffith is the one who is fate, destiny, you know, no free will, but guts is the one who kind of changes that you even get some hints that guts and his feeling and his rage does affect the power of Femto or Griffith a little bit because mm-hmm. you know Femto seems a little scared of him like even in the moment of the eclipse right when he's born there's like a little bit of fear there which is so good well because yeah, I mean Guts is like the only person who's ever able actually to come close and technically beat Griffith so yeah yeah it's a very good point and it, you know I think the shame is it so you know the anime does and the story continues in the newer anime the 2016 2017 it's not shown in the most artistically best way but the story does continue and what i like so much about yeah what i like so much about the story going forward is it shows guts 
on the war revenge path and how if he becomes almost like a villain. I mean, he's basically going around murdering apostles, murdering anybody who kind of just gets in his way. And then it's really about how he starts to heal again and makes a new family with some of these new people. You know, it's so funny that the titular berserker berserker armor and the sword don't actually play any role in the original 1997 anime, but eventually Guts gets the berserker armor, which is this really awesome magical set of armor that like breaks his bones and inserts metal rods into his body to like keep him moving when he's fighting these incredibly strong apostles of the God hand. And, but at the same time, the armor also feeds into his rage and makes that rage almost more of an actual entity that can take him over. And so, you know, the story later on, I really, really love. And there's lots of really good moments where you see guts without his armor and his whole body is just scarred and broken but he seems to like start to develop almost this Zen kind of peace, like where he is pushing and pushing and pushing, but he realizes that he does have to heal and he does have to let other people in because he can't do it by himself. And so a big shame I feel is that the story isn't continued in a very, I don't know, isn't continued in the right way where it is continued, you know, in the newer anime, but mm-hmm. There's so much that happens. I mean, because, you know, in the anime, it comes to know that Griffith is basically reborn within the world. And he becomes, Griffith becomes this almost like savior and uniter of the world. He creates this new, huge kingdom called Falconia that has the branches within the world tree so they can basically teleport all over the world. He unites demon and mankind. He lets people see their loved ones by being able to call up spirits and have, you know, a moment of like peace as you let them go. And it seems from the outside that like Griffith is like stabilizing and helping this world that has recently been awoken to all those like horrific new monstrosities. Yeah. But you know what Griffith did to get it, do it. You know what I mean? Very much like the Watchmen argument with, you know, Ozymandias when he blows up New York and says, oh, hey, no, it was aliens that blew up the city. And that unites the world because the world is going to blow itself apart if they didn't. So he killed three million to save the entire world. You know, it's kind of like that very similar thing, but on a much more human emotional scale because you've been with the characters. So you know what it was. Yeah. And it sets up, you know, and I think what is so tragic about the story is it was setting up ultimately the conflict between Griffith and guts. And it gets to the point where you're like, who can beat Griffith? Because Griffith is shown to be godly powerful. Oh yeah. And guts guts is shown to be powerful, but he's not a God. You know what I mean? Like at one point you have Ganishka, who's this huge, like apostle and it turns into this crazy monster And Griffith basically flies up to him, stabs him in the head, and he wins. And it's just like, Guts couldn't do that. Like, But you get this feeling that there is something about Guts and Guts' connection to Griffith that is the key. And the whole story keeps kind of building that up, you know, building it up as Guts heals, as Griffith attains and lives out his 
goal and his destiny. And it, there's something so, I don't know, just magnetic about those two powers growing and you know they're eventually going to hit each other again. And it's just oh, amazing. And so people who have you know finished the anime and people who want to know more of the story, I highly recommend reading it. Great artwork. The story is just as good. I highly recommend it, like listening to like the original soundtrack for that 1997 anime while you read. Kind of just you know helps. But you know, I think about that's about all I have as far as I know. We're going a little long here. We're about an hour thirteen right now. But I could talk so much more just about the friendships and brotherhood and you know the betrayal and the love that this anime this manga has in it for these characters that you just don't see that often anymore and i very true i can't help but just applaud kentaro miura for like creating something like this and giving it such a human giving his huge hulking wielding a you know 400 pound sword man a heart like because it's there and you feel it and you see Guts has sadness and not even like he doesn't even break down and start crying. But like Guts has these like kind of moments where he's talking about philosophy, like like the bonfire of dreams moment. Jeff, oh, you know, it's, it's so about good. Every yeah comes to the bonfire and they doom, get warm doom. and he feels like he's just getting warm at the bonfire. And but he has to move on. And God, I mean, like. We're talking about an anime and a manga that inspired and set the tone for dark souls like and it's there and you can see it and it's just so cool and i have nothing for love for this i like i said it gets pretty heavy and i think that can be a deterrent because it deals with some it deals with some shit i mean we'll just say it that and for some people i do think it will go and too far because people who have dealt with trauma in their lives and stuff like seeing that kind of stuff again, I think it'd be really harmful. So with all the things that I'm saying, if you hit the wall with berserk, if you decide to get into it because of us and you're like, Oh God, I can't do this. That's fine. You know, but God, if you can, if you can get over it, you know, if you can not get over it, but if you can dive into it and if it hits you the right way, like you're in for a whole world of stuff, a whole world of content that is amazing. And I I can't talk enough about it. Definitely. I know I've just been just going off this whole episode, but I've been excited. I've been waiting to talk about it. It's great to hear stuff that, you know, you're so bad. I mean, I like hearing you talk about it because like you do know so much more about it in depth than I do. And so it's always kind of fun hearing you kind of talk about it more in depth because whenever you're describing something you describe it in a very good way might not be super concise but you know it's it's a good way <laughs> no yeah definitely not concise but you know jack i think that's about all i have uh like i said i could talk i could do a whole other episode about the themes of berserk which is something i might be interested in doing yeah, we might do but, a themes episode you know, maybe that can be a bonus episode. Maybe that can be something else. But yeah, like I think for the conversation today, we've definitely like opened up the tap on the the huge. Yeah. We've open unlocked the chest that is berserk to our listeners. Oh yeah. So, Jack, that's about all I have. Unless you want to add something else. You know, Charlie, I think I think that's all I got as well. 
I thoroughly enjoyed the all conversation. Right. And it kind of makes me want to go back and watch it all yeah. again and also start reading it. Cause I you, know. You have the yeah. you have the mangas, yeah. right? I, mean, I if, have them. You can borrow them, yeah. I need to try to, try to read those sometime. Oh, definitely, man. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rack and Tour Collection. This is Chapter 4, Episode 2 of the Rack and Tour Collection. This episode will be titled in Spotify. I realized I didn't title the last one. And Jack was like, we were playing Warzone. He was like, Charlie, I have a bone to pick with you. Why does an episode, <laughs> the first episode, have a title? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, an, it's an easy so, fix. So, uh... so this one, it'll be titled, this will be all about Berserk. Everyone, if you like what we do with the Raconteur Collection and you want to hear more of these conversations, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm not super active on Facebook. I know I need to be more, definitely more active on Instagram. Give us a follow there. I mean, tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't. Did you like the intro? Did you hate the intro? Anything. If you want to support us financially, you can find us patreon.com slash raconteur collection where you can join the fine folks there who are giving their hard earned money to listen to us talk which still blows my mind and i am i'm so grateful that people like it this much i mean can't believe there are some fantastic people over there oh yeah all of which have opinions better than me and who are like way more smart than i am so like infinitely smarter infinitely Infinitely more successful (laughs) <laughs> so if you want to support us financially patreon.com slash collection our music is provided by clumsy titan clumsy titan little small artist probably don't know him really good name love the name clumsy titan but must have came to about 10 years music. ago we're given yeah we're given uh tyler a break tyler's tyler cunningham is resting in his tavern talking with the folks Give him a break for a while. We'll We're sure, going yeah, a little bit of a different We'll be direction. sure to visit him again soon. We will. Everyone, that's all I have for you. And so now, as the music fades in, and we get sucked into the synthwave world, and this episode concludes, goodbye. Gotta rev the motorcycle, you know. comes in. You, you all know the synthwave mixes you listen to. You all know them. You all know you them. All... You all know Oh, Jack, there it is. There's the music. It's coming in. We gotta go. Gotta jack ourselves in. Programming Matrix. Gotta jack ourselves in. Whoa, watch me get your mind out of it. No, no, it's just funny because my, my name's Jack, so jack, jack yourself in. Time to get, time to get jacked Jack, up. jack yourself in. Jack, jack, jack yourself in so you can get jacked up. Okay, we're fading, we're fading. <laughs> We're fading. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Peace out. Bye. Bye.
in this world? Is the destiny of mankind controlled by some transcendental entity or law? Is it like the hand of God hovering above? At least it is true that man has no control, even over his own will. <laughs>